I feel kind of bad. I, I made fun of Winona Lake, Indiana, kind of, sort of, a couple times in this episode. So uh, I have to kind of go back and say that I visited there, that, that area, uh, Warsaw and Winona Lake, um, I believe twice now, I think. And I may go back for a little day trip here. I think that's what we're planning to do, possibly. Um, it's a very beautiful area. Obviously, there's a giant lake and there's Grace College, but um, there's not much more I can say about it. You just have to experience it for yourself. And Josh Newhart will kind of uh, talk about that, how you just have to be there uh, in today's episode of SIDcast. And if you are just now joining us, I am David Gibson. I am your host, and I will always be your host, and I have been your host, and uh, it's never going to change. So um, if you haven't already... Go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and go ahead and give it a, a rating or a review. Um, that way, we can show up a little bit more in iTunes' algorithm, and then once uh, iTunes completely does an overhaul of their uh, podcasting kind of marketplace thing here in the fall, I believe is when they're doing it, that way uh, we'll be up there and for everybody else to see. And if you, if you have any other friend or any other SID, maybe, I don't care, your wife, your kid, uh, I mean, if you th- if you get something out of this show and you think that they will too, by all means, just go ahead and tweet at them and, and tag us in it uh, at Sports Infocast on Twitter, and just say that hey, this show's cool. Um, David's not too bad, but the guests are are pretty great, so you you can do that. Um, and right now we are on our way to 500 followers on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow those at uh, SID or Sports Infocast, excuse me, uh, on both of those platforms. And be sure to kind of follow SIDcast on Instagram. We're hoping to have some Instagram takeover things and more graphics uh, and some behind the scenes stuff. I know that some people have asked me, like, what does your setup look like? I mean, where are you recording? And that is definitely something that, that I can show you, but it has to be through uh, Instagram. So it's coming back from the dead, really. Uh, I, I started it maybe, gosh. November, December-ish, I don't know what the last episode thumbnail I posted up there, but um, it's been dormant ever since then, and I kind of updated the logo, and then I got a question about, was I going to do that, and the answer is yes, but it's going to take some time, I still have to get through these uh, next couple weeks, because I'm trying to get ahead, uh, so that by the time when I move down to Evansville, and uh, I start school up again, then I won't have all this chaos going on. I can just pump out these episodes, and then once I get into a rhythm or, or you know, a system, um, I'll start scheduling once more, but as of right now, I'm just trying to get ahead in the game a little bit, so to speak. Uh, next week, we will have Megan Harden from Southwestern University down in Georgetown, Texas on the pod, and then the week after that, You'll probably see it. It will be me. Uh, Jason Hendricks volunteered to kind of interview me, and we've been working on that uh, as of right now in this recording. I also have to kind of do a little disclaimer here. Sometime during the episode, I can't remember what minute mark it is, uh, what I do is I usually place my phone on the speaker system of my laptop, and at some point I move my leg because I was downstairs in in my big comfy chair, and uh, the phone slipped. So if you hear this sliding noise at some point during the episode, um, I'm not going to tell you when that it'll be a surprise. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But uh, that would be what that is. You're not hearing things. 
Uh, I tried my best to get rid of it, but it was right in the middle of either him or I saying something important, and I didn't want to really get rid of that. If you or anybody you know wants to be a part of the show, I mean, you want to volunteer somebody, you can uh, email me, sportsinfocast at gmail.com, and also be on the lookout for our show, Go Big Cast. Uh, our first episode came out this week with uh, Russell Huffailing from Oregon State who came on the pod as our very, very first episode. And, uh, and there's one quote that I keep kind of throwing around out there as I've been trying to market that first episode, and it's, uh, be a reflector, not a projector. And this episode is more about kind of telling your university's story and the branding that goes along with it. But um, that will be kind of the essence of what Go Big Cast is, and you can follow that at Go Big Cast uh, on Twitter and Facebook as we try and climb that audience to about 100 followers. So um, we'll start off today with Josh Newhart of Grace College. He's been there ever since he was a student, and, and he has a really, really interesting story because he was really unique in the fact that he and his friend, his one of his uh, roommates or sweetmates or something, uh, took over the SID whole department when they were juniors in college, so basically 20, 21 years old, and then he got the job from Grace, so that is where we'll start off today with Josh Newhart from Grace College up in Winona Lake, Indiana, here on SIDcast. Yeah, great question. Yeah, I love Grace College. I love what it stands for. Um... It's, I felt like, and I think a lot of people when they go through college, they feel like they develop into either a man or a woman, kind of make their beliefs uh, their own. And I, I definitely experienced that at Grace as far as, uh, yeah, just, just maturation process. You, you can't really quantify that through any other experience a lot of ways than through, through a college environment. So uh, I had a lot of great memories through here and got some great experience right away as an undergrad that really directly led to the job uh, that I had today. So, yeah, it really means a lot being able to represent um, the school, our athletes, our coaches, our programs. Um, being able to do that every day really means a lot because this place does mean a lot to me. So I think, I mean, everyone likes to say they put 110% in the job. I like to maybe say I put 120% in uh-huh. because it, mean, it means so much to me. This place is definitely part of my heart. So there's there's just kind of a love fest, if you will, that I've got with the place. So I think that feeds my work a little bit. Another, another interesting part is I've got to experience uh, the teams from a student side. So I'm getting to see, getting to learn from the coaches as a student, now getting to join them as a, as a peer. Um, and now as an assistant AD, sometimes not necessarily, I don't know if I call them their, my, their boss, but um, just being able to experience a different relationship with them rather than student to coach. Now I, now it's kind of equal. So that, that to me has been a fun learning experience over the past, you know, 10 years or whatever um, that it's been. So, yeah, even just being able to see the programs from when I first came in, we had some pretty rough histories, <laughs> very rough histories for several of our sports. Um, being able to see them climb over the past ten years has been awesome. And for someone who is just coming in, let's say, let's say I left today and someone else came in, they wouldn't know that history like I would. So being able to paint those pictures and tell people in our community the stories of how much these teams have gotten better is something that I think I'm uniquely able to do because I've been here for so long, too. 
So for anybody that's, you know, just about to graduate college, maybe a young professional, obviously, um, and then they are going to keep a job within their uh, own athletic department, it, would it be strange, is, would there be, was it strange for you to kind of say, like you said, I mean, they were coaches, they were assistant athletic directors, and now all of a sudden they're your peers. What is that transition like? Yeah, and I wouldn't say it's it's immediate in my head. Like, on paper, it becomes immediate. Like, I become a student, and all of a sudden, I become a peer. But in your head, it just takes probably a year or two to really feel like you're a peer. <laughs> Man, I'm not exactly sure what makes what makes that switch flip, but it, it does. It just does happen after a while. Probably this one of the weirder parts of it was going from working on a student staff that was run by, as a junior and senior, myself and my roommate going from that to then going from really being their boss as a full-time employee. I mean, these are guys that I lived in the dorm with. Uh (laughs) So they experience every side of, you know, a college dorm with me that you can experience. Um, So that was, that was almost as weird of a transition going from, uh, yeah, I mean, peer to peer as a student, it's it's a weird word. You just go from just brother to brother to now I've got to be a boss. So even learning to set some boundaries and even, even I had to discipline a kid that I had been in the same dorm with. I had to discipline him the first year I had the job. Um, it was, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting line you've got to cross, but you got to be willing to do it too. So what was that conversation like with, with all those guys that you helped work with and now that you're uh, in charge of? I mean, and you, like you said, you had to discipline, but what did that take for you kind of personally to be able to say, uh, I, I'm, like you said, he's my, this guy's my brother. What yeah. is that like having to kind of switch it off and turn boss mode just just like a snap of a finger? Yeah, and I wouldn't say I like to be a uh, iron-fisted boss. <laughs> like I like to keep a very um, relaxed environment like where we do have fun, but we're also very professional. Like There are expectations. So a lot of it comes from laying ground rules ahead of time. So at the beginning of the year, we go through expectations as far as even like uh, what we wear, what we're not going to wear, timing of when you're going to show up, when you're considered late, expectation of behavior at the score tables, uh, even after the game's behavior, um, just responsibilities, building that into them. So making it as much of a job for them as it can be. That way, when something does go wrong, I've got those expectations to fall back on. And that's not just me coming across as cranky pants Josh, you know. So, yeah, I think having those expectations ahead of time really helped me out, and especially in that case, um, for sure, because it was a clear violation of some expectations and some communication that had not been had. Um, And it it ended very well. He responded very favorably, um, and it helped that I think that I took a day before I responded to him. Okay. So I didn't – we had the meeting the next day after the event, so – I had a little bit of time to cool off and focus more on rehabilitating and rather than just coming down hard, rather than focus on just crushing his spirit, rather trying to help meet him where he's at and help him become a better, hopefully, employee that he is today. The expectations, it really starts there, though. Uh, last question about this before I promise we'll yeah. move on. How about um, when you transition that role, as I've as I referred uh-huh. to, with the other student athletes, I mean, you're the same age as some of the student athletes that you're working with. How did they treat you, and how did you, you know, have to treat them? 
Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that yeah, there's a certain line of friendship that can be had with a student athlete that has a as now an employee that you can be a friend, but there also needs to be a little bit of distance. So it, it's still it's a fine line. You can have friends who are students, but there does need to be a little bit uh-huh. of professionalism in there as well. So I'll, I'll say, I mean, I've definitely walked that line better as I've gone away from being a student. So I mean, I graduated in 2011. So now now I'm the old guy. So no one looks at me as a student anymore, <laughs> at least the students. So like I walk in the cafeteria and I'm no longer, like no one knows who I am. So I just kind of sit by the corner and yeah, it, it's the older you get, the naturally the easier it gets. But there is a fine line for sure between friend and professional that you've got to walk. So let's take take it all the way back to the very beginning. How did you get started in sports information at Grace College? Spare no detail. People like this sort of thing. Yeah, sure. Um, I always knew I loved sports. I mean, from growing up, I knew um, you give me a ball, I'll, I'll play any sport that you got. But I was never very good at them. And I think I, I recognize that pretty young. I could play and I can keep up, but I'm not. I'm not a college athlete. I get that. I'm six foot four. I'm slow. Um, that combination doesn't work on the basketball court and really hardly anything else. So <laughs> slow six foot four doesn't really get me anywhere. Um, so I kind of knew right away if I was going to do sports, it wasn't unfortunately going to be the NBA, which you know that's kind of a heartbreaker at first, but. So I knew I also liked writing as well, and I felt like I got a lot of encouragement from uh, English teachers and some different writing teachers I had in high school to maybe pursue writing in college. So I think that was a big a big inspiration. Even like just even some books maybe I had read that like the Chip Hilton books. I mean, you probably haven't heard of those, but the guy is a sports writer. Um, it's kind of old school, so I doubt you would have heard of it. Chip Hilton, <laughs> it's good stuff though. Uh, good kids books. So I read that he was a sports writer. Heck, even like Ray Romano, who doesn't love everyone yeah. loves Raymond, sports guy. Guy's got a great life. So uh, just kind of knowing I love sports and I think I can be good at writing and I really enjoy it. Trying to blend those two into a sports writing careers. Yeah, really what I started. So um, went to Grace looking to uh, yeah, major in journalism thinking, you know, probably newspapers is the way that everyone goes when you want to be a sports writer. Mm-hmm. Not, not even really knowing what an SID was, never heard of the acronym before. <laughs> In my senior year, I had a chance to walk on it, Grace. I, I'm not sure why. They probably thought I was a good kid and be a good character guy. <laughs> certainly didn't have any uh, tangible qualities I would add to the court. Uh, but basically, our coach, head coach, Jim Kessler, he's in the NAI Hall of Fame. Just an awesome, awesome guy. Um, he also, when I kind of told him I wasn't really interested in playing basketball anymore, told me I should look into joining the SID crew, becoming a statistician, because he knew I loved sports. Um, he thought that would be a good way to keep me around the department. Um, could tell I just had a lot of energy for sports. So I imagine that's why he referred me to it. So... Uh, so my freshman year, I'm going into it, going to be a statistician on our SID crew. It's also the first year for um, our current AD, Chad Briscoe. So his first year was my first year. It's also the first year of our um, our basketball arena where our offices are at. So it's kind of our best facility on campus is our basketball arena. So it's a big year as far as all the of athletics is concerned. So it's a good time to walk in. Um, bad timing in that our SID decided – to take another job um 
the second week before school started. Huh. So really, really tough timing for Chad and uh, the department. But fortunately for me, it opened a great door for me to get involved on even a larger level. Um, so Chad, who's a great boss, but what hasn't been trained in SID things, basically looked to the students to take over and help them for that first year. Um, so I got some tremendous experience being able to even write that first year for the web. I can't say that any of the stories were good. I'm not sure Chad didn't keep them. <laughs> he put them on that day, took them off the next day because he didn't know how to archive. So literally there's no story saved from the 0708 season, which maybe looking back, that's a good thing. Uh, but yeah, getting that experience to write on and even to get that, uh, that experience and trust with my boss as a freshman, that was huge. Um, so sophomore year rolls around, and he ends up hiring an SID who did a great job for us, uh, but he had an eye towards coaching. So he ended up becoming a coach, a head coach, took a job that next year. So for one year, I had an SID that I could learn from. Junior year rolls around. Again, we don't have an SID. Um, and Chad offers to myself and my roommate, Steve Copeland, offers to us to take over the job as as. Yeah, students basically run run uh -huh. the department our junior and senior year. And so we see, obviously, it's a golden opportunity, not necessarily one that we earned more, one that we kind of lucked into and uh, we felt was kind of God's timing with us walking into it when we did. So we felt, we felt very um, honored to even be asked to do it. Not really sure why he entrusted to knucklehead students like us to do it, but... Uh, yeah, we ran with it and took, made it our own, made lots of mistakes, but we also had a lot of fun with it. You know, we launched Facebook and Twitter when those were, you know, first kind of taking over. So being able to launch those, not knowing if those would stick, mm -hmm. YouTube, you know, kind of delving into YouTube and video, starting video streams for the first time for several sports. Like those are all things that we got to, or excuse me, radio streams uh, in, in college, I guess. Getting to start those for the first time, like that was those are really fun times, and he gave us a lot of trust and uh, a lot of leeway to try some things. He let us make some mistakes, and yeah, we had two really fun years kind of running the department and growing in professionalism at the same time, and um, you know, even getting to represent the school um, at the Crossroads League, like our uh, annual meeting that we have where everyone comes together. So getting to sit at the table with full-time SIDs and learning from them and trying to feel like a, a peer to them, even <laughs> though I'm a student. Um, it was a great, yeah, it was a great experience. One that I, I know most people don't get a chance in undergrad to do. Uh, we got fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, yeah, so it was pretty awesome. So anyway, senior year rolls around. Steven, my roommate decides he wants to do writing more at the uh, magazine slash book level. So he's still doing that and doing a great job, um, down in Charlotte. So it basically left me there. And fortunately they decided they would pay someone now. Um, <laughs> So fortunately for me, I kind of walked into a job right after I graduated. Um, so, yeah, it's really just dumb luck for my part being able to walk into the office at the perfect time. Um, and, yeah, so far they haven't fired me, so so far so good. Oh, sounds perfect. So uh, a couple of questions from the things that you said, and I want to start yeah. with um, when you took over as a student, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced, you know, just going right into that role as a junior in college. Absolutely, yeah. Probably the biggest one is just time management. Being from, like, school wasn't all that challenging to me. Maybe 
maybe our classes weren't tough enough. I just didn't feel school to be that challenging at, at Grace, uh, at least my first couple of years. Freshman, sophomore year, kind of at the beginning level classes anyway. So they're not as tough. So walking into our junior year, you're not only walking into some tougher classes, but now we're walking into trying to run a full-time office and represent these these programs at a professional level, figure out how to navigate media relationships, hit deadlines, not only with homework, but now trying to hit deadlines with newspapers and getting, getting articles in there and uh, being respectful of them because they don't want stuff at 2, two or 3 a.m. <laughs> when we're up. They want stuff at 10 p.m. Um, so, yeah, just time management was a big piece that we had to learn. And it ended up resulting in, like, way more all-nighters than we should have had. Like, just an ungodly, unhealthy number of all-nighters. Like, I bet if you ask Stephen, we probably average, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if one to two all-nighters per week during our junior year wasn't, like, that was probably pretty typical. Uh-huh. And it just was trying to survive the SID load with the school load. And then we're also, uh, we were running the school the sports pages for our student paper, the sounding board. So it was just, it was probably way too much we took on all at one time. But for us, we like, you can live off six hours of sleep. You can wake up bone tired and um, the experiences you're going to get from that are well worth it. So uh, yeah, time management by far was the thing we had to learn the best and ended up just being sacrificing a lot of sleep. And maybe I lost a couple years of my life from those years, but (laughs) It was a very good experience and great times. I wouldn't trade them for the world. <laughs> so when you guys had to think about your presence on Twitter and Facebook, I want to know what you guys said to each other and what the conversations you had to have with your coaches, maybe even some administration, especially being a student starting your own you know, social media accounts. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when my sister was in the hospital for some stuff my junior year, and I remember I was just trying to kill some time. Um, so I started Twitter in a hospital room just because I was killing time. When, when I first heard about Twitter, um, I had another roommate named Christian. He was the first one who I saw who really was, like, on Twitter and got Twitter. And I, like, I made fun of him relentlessly. I thought Twitter was the dumbest thing. We called him a tweeter. Like, I, we, we made fun of him relentlessly for probably, <laughs> probably three months. And then once you start seeing the Shaquille O'Neal's hop on and, start seeing some of these like celebrities, you know, Blake Griffin, I think was an early adopter too. seeing these guys hop on and like get these massive followings right away. And then you start to see like news starts hopping on and you can see this actually has some legs to it. Um, I still, I apologize to him probably once a year for making fun of him as much as I did. So we, we made it more or less initially just to, to grab the intellectual property of the username uh-huh. And just to test it out to see uh, to see if it had legs. Um, so, it, yeah, initially it was a lot of, like, score updates, maybe a picture here or there. Yeah, more or less just trying to get the feel of the thing. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, our junior and senior year, it was very still early in, in the Twitter world. Who knows? We probably had 200 followers tops. Mm-hmm. Um, so barely making a blip even on our campus. <laughs> um, it, but, it, yeah, it's just... The, the nature of social media stuff's always changing so sometimes you just got to try it out see if it works and you know, we tried snapchat out a little bit last year and maybe a handful of times this year nothing really bit for us so we kind of transferred our energies to different platforms um so 
I think social media is just the same way. Just things are going to work for you. Some things are not going to work for you. So Twitter, obviously, is something that has worked for everyone. We were idiots for making fun of it. How did you, uh, you know, convince administration, you know, that this needs to be a thing that we need to focus energy on? Or, I mean, did you have any issues when you first started the Twitter? Did they say, what are you doing? Why are you using our name on this platform that hasn't been proven yet? Yeah, well, I'll be honest, they probably didn't know about it until a couple years into it when we told them we had a Twitter, and then we probably had to explain Twitter to our administration. Yeah, it just wasn't necessarily something that uh, our school was heavily invested into, so maybe they knew what it was, but uh-huh. uh, weren't really that interested, didn't see the, the power of it. But recently, yeah, for sure, I think uh, Chad, my boss, is a huge advocate of the power of social media and also the free marketing that it provides as well. Right. Um, and it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's a great way to engage fans, get people excited, um, inform them. Like it, it, it fulfills so many different functions. So, uh, but initially, honestly, they probably didn't even know we had it. So we had a couple of years being underground where we could stay under the radar and try out different things. And yeah, a lot of stuff that didn't work. So uh, you're at the end of your senior year, and like you said, you had a job right out of college with Grace, but did you look around at any other SID jobs? I mean, did you think about maybe getting out of it and doing something else in sport? Uh, you know, I didn't. I, I really wanted to do it after the experience I had from junior to senior year. I just I really enjoyed it and could see the vast potential that um, it had just if I had more time to dedicate to it without worrying about all the other undergraduate stuff. Uh-huh. So... I, I mean, I, I knew I wanted I was just fortunate enough that it opened up. Yeah, so I honestly, I didn't look around one bit. Okay, so now you are in what year is this for you? Uh, so this is my 10th year overall at Grace, so past seven is full-time SID. Okay, so, yeah. uh, but in 2017, you guys uh, were the, what was it, number one NAI website? And like you, like yeah, yeah. What what was mentioned in that article that covered you was that you guys weren't really gunning for that. So how did you take the news when you found out that you were the best website in the NAI? Yeah, I mean it's it's very humbling and exciting. Anytime you get honored by the the uh, NAI SIDA group, SIDA group, like that's that's a great group of professionals I get to work with every day, and they are constantly challenging me. <laughs> Uh, above and beyond my talent level, I'm constantly looking for them for inspiration and ideas, and just to see the trends that they're they're involved in. Like, there's just a great group. So w- when I get any recognition from them, it's a, it's a tremendous honor. Um, yeah, as far as the website, I was very excited. Yeah, very excited to get that number one. I was we weren't gunning for it at all in the redesign of our website. But for them to uh, to see it as number one was was pretty rewarding, in the fact that yeah we did put a lot of time, energy, and thought into it. So yeah, I'm gonna steal some questions from this article that you know covered you yeah. by your uh, internet news up there in Winona Lake, and we'll get yep. to kind of some marketing things within you know your region of the state and of the country yeah. here in just a second. But you're not really worried about putting your name on a byline or on a photo. Uh, why do you do that, and why do you think that some people, you know, have to have their name on something? Well, I, I think there's different philosophies out there, and some people, it's, and I think to a degree there is a, a importance in having a good name and a credible name. Um, but for me, it's almost more. I, I would prefer to have 
Grace College Athletics remembered rather than Josh Newhart remembered. For me, that is, at the end of the day, if no one knew my name, I would be okay with that. <laughs> but if they remembered, if they remembered my work, that would be more important to me. So if my work's remembered over my name, to me, that, that means I've done a good job. Um, so my, I, I see my job as a storyteller of Grace Athletics with our, with our athletes, with our coaches, with our programs. So I'm helping tell their stories in the community. It's also my job to point a spotlight on the great things that they are doing. So um, if people are looking and seeing me, that means the spotlight's been a little bit more on me than it needs to be, <laughs> or it means that I've, or it means that I've messed up, which does happen a good bit. Um, so when they don't recognize me, when they don't see me, that means a I, I haven't messed up too much, and b they're they're seeing the work over the worker, and that that to me is what it's all about. So yeah, I guess for if you're looking at at the website specifically, I, like I'm I'm glad my name isn't on the bylines. I purposely don't put it on there because. Yeah, I guess I, I don't personally see the benefit in it. Mm-hmm. I want I want the story to be about our athletes. I want it to be about I want them to remember the name of our student athlete. I don't want them to remember the name of the person who wrote it. Um, so I, I don't I don't see anything wrong with putting your name on there. I just personally prefer the spotlight to be on the teams, on the names in the story rather than the name uh, underneath the byline. So yeah, so yeah, we I take photos, I write stories. If people don't know that, that's okay by me. As long as they, as long as they see and know the work, I, I'm okay with that. You mentioned something when you when you first started in high school, and then when you got to college, you had never heard of an SID, and most people don't really know what an SID does, or they just read the story, they see the score updates, they see maybe the graphics and the photos. How would you expl- yeah. How would you, in a sense, kind of educate? What would be the first step in educating the general public on an SID and, and what it does now that you kind of went from the, from the uh, I don't know what an SID is to now I am one? That's a great question. I think I'm still trying to figure out the answer to it, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'm trying to give you the best answer I can. And it, it's, it's a job that's constantly changing as needs of the department change and as uh, the social media landscape changes and now people branching as much into video as they are written word so things are constantly changing and because of that because we're a technology driven industry we're going to change with it but um yeah so i guess part of my job would be considered i kind of consider it like our reporter so like i'm i'm our on-site reporter so i'm covering our teams i'm telling the historical facts of of a game of a season um, so I'm kind of being a historian slash reporter of our team. So that, that's a pretty big chunk of it. Another big chunk is being a media relations guy. So I'm getting our reporters anything they need. I'm providing them access to our athletes, to our coaches, uh, inside the arena, making sure they need what they got, what they need. Um, and even pitching them ideas, pitching our local people ideas, story ideas, people to cover features. And then people from their hometown, so hometown reporters trying to pitch them ideas, make them aware of what some of their hometown kids are doing at Grace. Um, so media relations and being an, a proactive media relations guy is another big piece uh, to the puzzle. Um, so as far as SID goes, that that's broad strokes. That, that encompasses a good chunk of it. I also have some assistant AD roles, so I do a lot of like, game management training our student workers, manning the score table, that all kind of goes with it as well. 
uh, set up, tear down, all that good stuff that no one no one wants to write about. Like that all comes with the territory too. So it's a great it's a great job, a great um, great people I get to work with as well. So I'm blessed for sure. How about uh, some of the work that you do in a small college role? And like you said, you just listed off a lot of the things you do. How do you keep organized as a one, technically a one-man shop? I know everybody's kind of got student yeah. workers that they work with. So how do you stay organized and stay on top of things uh, in a small one-man shop like yourself? Yeah, I live and dive by a – I've got a written calendar. So I, I'm younger, but I, I'm a little bit old school in that, so I've got a written <laughs> calendar. So – I probably need at some point to transfer everything to like over to a Google calendar and just check it all on my phone. But I just like having something written down for some reason that's more uh, secure to me for now. <laughs> um, so a lot of what I live and die by is written on that calendar. A lot of the organization within an actual game, um, I, I kind of changed my hat to becoming more of an overseer during a game than an actual doer during a game. So I hand a lot of my duties off to students as far as running the table, even at times letting them do some social media stuff. I, I train my students up well enough where I, I'm comfortable for, that they can run a game from start to finish and let me be more of a troubleshoot guy. Um, so that helps me a lot as far as organization goes when I've got other guys who can come alongside me. You know, I've got senior guys who are, are very good at their jobs at this point because they've been at it for two or three years so they can they can run it run a game from start to finish. They know where the computers are. They know how to roll out the tables, plug things in. They can put things back. So, I, in a sense, I'm more there just to get pictures, do some behind the scenes stuff, and troubleshoot. Which, to me, I, I would prefer to be in that role. Um, yeah, rather than being chained chained to the score table. So, like you just mentioned, you let your student workers do a, a lot of things. And how did you yeah. you know first start training them? And so, and then how did you kind of let that go? Like you had to put that trust in them. How did you do that for those who are maybe struggling with that or maybe flat out just don't want to? Well, it definitely takes time. Like I can't give a, a freshman who's wet behind the ears. I can't give them full control of the stats computer. Probably, you know, maybe until they're a sophomore, maybe even a junior. So um, a lot of it depends on the acumen of the student, what, what level of uh, skill in computers or even skill in speaking sport, like that's an acquired skill, um, or understanding how a sport works to be able to stat it. Like that's just a certain number, a level of acumen that you either come in with or you don't. So the ones who don't, it's just going to take a little bit more time. So some of it is getting lucky and getting freshmen. So when you get freshmen, then you're you're pretty golden. So you got maybe a year, year and a half, two years where you can really work with them on some of the simpler things. Then by the time they're a junior or senior, they're, I mean, they're, they're rock stars. They're ready to roll with you um, and can handle some of the more heavy-duty duty items. Um, but it, it definitely takes time, and I'm fortunate enough where we've got a really good stable of workers. Like, I've got 10 coming in this year hmm. um, who, who are a huge help for me, and we give them scholarships, so it's not – I don't have to pay them by the hour. Uh, so we just pay them, like, a scholarship. Uh -huh. It's a terrific system. I try to recommend it to everyone I talk to who's yeah, that looking would help. for a system. Yeah, <laughs> so you basically just give them a scholarship amount, and then we, we talk through what games they need to show up on. Um, and basically, we treat it like a job. So we're trying to let them grow in how to be responsible employees and down the line. So they got to hit deadlines. they got to dress professional. They've got to work as professionals. they got to act as professionals. 
Um, so we always stress, yeah, just being professional and representing yourself um, and the school well and everything that you do and, and say. Um, so it definitely takes time. And there's certain students that it takes longer to earn trust than it mm-hmm. does for others. And I think that's okay. I think everyone develops and matures at, at different rates and um, just being patient with them and maybe putting them in spots where they can succeed uh, on smaller things before you give them the really heavy things where they might make a big mistake and cause damage for themselves down the line and, you know, you and the department. So, yeah, I think I rambled on a little bit longer than you needed You're there. You're fine. But, um, <laughs> yeah, build, building trust into them, giving them smaller tasks until you kind of build up their confidence and their, their acumen a little bit. Do you go about actively seeking student workers? I mean, how do you market that scholarship thing, which is a great deal, by the way. Wish that was everywhere. Um, but uh, <laughs> sadly, it is not, you know. So do you actively pursue student workers, or do you kind of just let them come to you? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's about 50-50. I really don't do any marketing with it, to be honest. A lot of it is people see what my student workers are doing and are mm-hmm. really interested in it. So um, I would say maybe half of it just come from maybe people knowing about it, not me telling them, just people hearing about the position or seeing some of their buddies doing it and being interested in it. And then maybe the other half comes from either students that I know on campus who would be a good fit, or I also have um, usually my sophomores and juniors, I usually charge the ones I trust more to go out and find someone else who's younger who would be good. Um, Especially, I like to do sophomores and juniors because they're in touch more with the freshmen and sophomores. Huh. So they get me somebody. They get me somebody younger, which a that's important, and then b they know what to expect from a role in this position. So they're going to find someone who's going to fit in well with us. So I, I usually trust the recommendations I get from my current guys really highly, and it served us really well. I don't. I don't think I've really regretted any recommendations I've got from my guys and. Yeah, usually a couple, maybe I'll hand select throughout the year that I've seen that I think would be good. Um, maybe you know, some people you turn down who you think might not be good fits and wouldn't mm-hmm. be good professionals, and that's okay too. Not everyone's a good fit for the job. So yeah, I guess it's a lot of it. A lot of it's probably hand picking, fifty fifty. Uh, moving on a little bit to uh, maybe getting some following or some maybe even a marketing standpoint here. Uh, Winona Lake yeah. and Warsaw area, that part of Indiana. It's kind of interesting to me because there's nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing, and then boom, there's like Warsaw, and then nothing, and then boom, there's Kokomo. So how is yeah. it like getting uh, that following or that fan base uh, to come basically to Grace Games or maybe even follow Grace on Twitter and become a Lancers fan? How difficult is that in an area that's kind of more or less rural? Yeah, so I come from central Indiana. So for me, like I grew up Colts Pacers, like uh-huh. all you know, gung ho. We didn't have a baseball team, so maybe you maybe watch some Cubs games here and there, maybe some Cardinals. It's weird once you get above Kokomo, Northern Indiana is almost like it's almost part of Illinois, <laughs> at least from from us over to South Bend. Uh-huh. Everyone's a Cubs fan. Everyone's a Bears fan. It was it was new territory for me. I, I wasn't ready for that when I first came to Grace. There really weren't that many Colts fans. It was almost all Bears, Cubs. Like, it was big-time Chicago, Bulls. So, for us, yeah, Northern Indiana, we, we definitely, the larger market's trying to compete with Fort Wayne, and they've got, you know, quite a few university yeah, college-level uh, institutions in Fort Wayne, some really fine ones, uh, including one in our conference. Um, so, Fort Wayne, and then we've got South Bend. 
were equidistant from both of those. We're kind of right dab in the middle. Sometimes that helps us. A lot of times that hurts us because no one really knows whose market that we're in. So getting the larger markets is sometimes harder for us because South Bend obviously going to cover Notre Dame. Mm. Um, we're never going to compete with Notre Dame, and that's understandable. Fort Wayne has so many colleges there that we're a little bit of an outlier just because there's so many within the immediate vicinity of Fort Wayne. So it's it's tough. It's our, our regional, larger regional market is tough. Our uh, our local market is incredibly supportive, and I credit a lot of that to our boss Chad Briscoe, who um, has really helped to develop a lot of the media relationships when I was a student. Um, they weren't really all that existent from what I hear before he came. Uh, but since he's come, he's now got reporters to come very consistently, regularly to all of our, our major events, all of our basketball games. Uh, pretty regularly, we'll get some features in our publications locally. Um, so a lot of that has been him and now me being able to tag team with him to provide him some of that material. Just being able to let people know about the stories, let people know about the events. We try to bring in a lot of events as well to let people know what Grace is doing. So we, we host... Uh, um, the NCCAA, which is the National Christian College, we host their men's and women's basketball championships each March. Um, so that thing's a bear, but uh-huh. it brings in a lot of people in the community. Uh, we're going to host a, a big track tournament coming up in a couple of years, which I think that's getting released in a couple hours hmm. from me doing this podcast. Uh, that news comes out tonight, I guess, which will be, that'll be in the past when people listen to the podcast. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird to think about, but... Um, yeah, we try to we try to bring in a lot of events. We've had the Globe Trotters several times, um, and several other some big name people who've come in here. Um, so trying to bring people in to let people see our facilities, let people know about what we're doing here. Um, that that's a big piece in getting our name out there. What's been uh, your favorite memory in your professional tenure? Favorite memory? Uh, what well, the people always are the first thing that pop into my mind. If you're looking for memory. Uh, there's lots of games that are just really memorable. Last second goals we've had in mm-hmm. soccer. Um, when we won the the conference tournament championship for men's basketball in 2012 was probably one of the highlights of my athletic career. Even though I didn't play in the game, just being there <laughs> it was yeah. the loudest I think I've ever been inside an arena. Um, just the game went to overtime. It was an, it was just a crazy game. I remember I was taking pictures underneath the hoop and it was so loud. I felt like I was outside of myself and I decided because it was so loud, I was just going to start screaming just to see if I could hear myself. And I couldn't, it was so loud in the arena and it sounds really weird out loud. I wish I would have said that, but, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but it, just environments like that, the passion, the energy, like you can still kind of, it puts hairs on your head just thinking about moments like that. Um, but favorite memories just kind of come from the people, the coaches, the friendships that I've made. Uh, being able to help my student athletes make the next step into their careers, some of them in the SID world, some of them not in the SID world, uh, just being able to see them become successful professionally and um, as young men, that, that to me is really exciting and that gets me up every day for sure. So uh, we just talked about your, your favorite memory and your professional tenure. How about on the other side, what is your biggest horror story that you've had? So I, when I was an undergrad, probably the biggest mistake I made was um, we had a we had like a red and white game. So it's like our scrimmage basketball. It was very informal. We didn't even advertise it. Didn't have it on the schedule. So it was a lot of mom and pops and maybe friends of the program who knew about it. 
so there really weren't that many people in the stands, like a hundred or so. Uh, but we had, we went ahead and printed out like just a one page quick game day sheet just with rosters on it. So granted, take this back to when I was like a junior in high school. So remember I said I became a man through college or uh-huh. through college. Um, so I wasn't a man <laughs> all the way through college, a lot of boyish, boyish moments in college. So, um, kind of being funny as we're making the, the program and in design, I kind of made up a kid's hometown in his high school and just put some like stupid, nothing like bad, but just some stupid stuff in there. Um, like kindergarten, I think for his high school, I put kindergarten, just like really stupid uh-huh. from, you know, a junior in college. We thought it was hilarious. Um, just to show him. And I didn't actually, like, I didn't save it. I was like, Oh yeah, I'll just go back and change it later. Well, fast forward to the game time. And someone comes back with the game day sheet and shows us it, and I had forgotten to change it back to his actual hometown high school. So we printed out like a hundred of these things with, and maybe that's not a horror story. To me, it was horrible because mm-hmm. I felt like mom and dad are there; they're going to be like, "Who the heck put kindergarten for his high school? Like, what do they have against my son?" And I didn't know the kid from Adam, so I felt horrible. We tried to take back all the game day sheets we had left, but it's just kind of that moment when you know you've screwed up royally when mm-hmm. you just see all those white pieces of paper dotted around the arena and know you can't go back and just grab them out of people's hands um, so just kind of hoping and praying people don't see it but realizing that you just made a royal mistake so that that gave me a great lesson to never do something stupid like that again <laughs> to double check my work every time to look at something after I printed it so I, I, I double triple check everything because of that incident um, but that was a pretty, that was a pretty sucky moment in SID life. <laughs> so when you look around at other SIDs, uh, in your division, country, conference, it doesn't really matter, but, uh, and you look at them, you say, that's a good SID. What are some things that they do or some characteristics that they have that make you say that? Yeah, I think the people who've got, um, a vision beyond just the day to day are the ones who kind of set themselves apart. Um, this job a lot of times can be such a survival one where you're just trying to get from, um, from bedtime to bedtime. Like you just have so much work to do from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed that you're just looking forward to the next time you can lay your your head on the pillow. Um, (laughs) and I'll be like, there's some days like that's what you got to do to survive and that's okay. Um, but if that's all that is motivating you day to day and that's all that you're looking forward to. The, you're probably not a standout in the profession. You're probably not going to last long because it's 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 a trying world. It's a trying profession, um, just as far as the hours and the the work are concerned. Um, so the ones that have um, some vision, some ideas for how they want to portray their team in a unique way to set themselves apart. You know, our teams are so competitive on the field that we also have to be competitive off the field in a sense. We're very friendly with each other, SIDs, but we also need to be competitive and also in a very real sense. And that, like, I need Grace to look different than the other teams in my conference. I like, I have to in, in order to be a recruiting advantage, uh, in order for people to get um, to get as excited. Like, I need us to be a step above. So, um, I yeah, when I see, you know, you're looking at the D1 level, you look at big schools like Texas, Ohio State, Clemson pouring huge dollars into visual realizing that's what's winning the recruiting department. Um, that kind of clicked in my head a couple years ago and realizing where the trend was going. So we've allocated a lot of, a lot more of my time than in the past to 
kind of visual stuff than maybe a traditional SID department has. I get inspired a lot from what the big guys are doing, and then I like to try to channel that talent to what Grace College can manage, what we can afford, um, and what works in our language and in our community as well. Um, but, I mean, at a local level, there's so many good SIDs in our conference, even like Seth from Taylor and um, Chris from Springer. I don't want to name – I shouldn't start naming because everyone I don't name is going to be mad, but – like those guys are constantly challenging me with ideas and you look greater. And I know you just had Aaron on from Cornerstone, but he's a great example, especially with how he uses um, the resources that is at his college and kind of maximizes that. He does a great job. People being creative with how they're telling their stories and aren't just sticking to the traditional nuts and bolts of what an SID has been 10 years ago. Instead looking for ways that we can be unique in our storytelling, uh, that to me is what sets someone apart and what's going to set your message apart as well. What's one thing you're interested to learn more about in this profession? I, I feel like I have so much to learn that um, you could probably do a whole hour just on what <laughs> I need to learn. Uh, but video stuff is definitely something that I'm very new at. And I think motion graphics is something that the world's going to have to head to in SID, um, in SID terms. So, I don't know hardly enough about motion graphics to write two cents about. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm trying to learn a little bit more about video. Always trying to learn more about um, just Photoshop and design, trying to better my craft, learn how the big guys are doing it and how I can make that my own, make, make my own style. Um, I don't think you can ever be done writing. I think anytime you practice writing, you're going to get better at it. So, um, I think I can be a better writer. I think I could be a better photographer. I don't think I could look at anything on my skill set and say I've arrived at it. I think there's always something I can improve on, some dramatically more than others, but probably those are the main ones. What's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Get as much experience as you can, as early as you can. Um, that's what sets you apart in the marketplace. You can have a journalism degree. You can have a sport management degree, sport media degree. That's, that's all well and good, but anymore, if you don't have real-life experience, um, you're not going to get a job right away. And even a GA job anymore is going to be pretty hotly contested for you. Uh, so the more experience that you can have, and not just to say that you had experience sitting at a table at a game doing something, uh, but to have something tangible that you can show someone. So um, for SID jobs specifically, if you can have – uh, something written, something published, that is huge. Being able to bring that into an interview or uh, put that on your resume, that's huge. Um, photos, being able to show that you can do photos, that's humongous. So have some samples of different photos, uh, different sports, indoor, outdoor, um, you know, headshots, even being taken for, t- taking part in uh, media day, that type of stuff. Social media, showing that you can handle responsibly social media. On your own account, maybe even having some experience on on a university account somehow. Um, the more experience you can have, the better off you can be because this ID job isn't just one thing anymore. So you got to have experience and you got to have a lot of different different hands in different cookie jars. Um, so yeah, those are probably the two biggest pieces. Work life balance. What do you do to have fun? I got two little ones. Uh, they're both under the age of two and a half. So they keep me pretty busy in my free time (laughs) and in what I'd like to do in my sleeping time. Uh (laughs) But they're awesome. So when I get home, 
my ideal day is just to, to turn everything off, turn my phone off, don't have the TV on, have nothing on, and just be hanging with my guys. Um, and we've actually got a third one coming in September. Um, Congratulations. Don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Most people roll their eyes when they hear that. <laughs> but uh, life, life's good. We're very blessed. And we're just we're swimming in diapers right now, and that's okay. So work-life balance I love, just hanging with my boys. Um, I like to play basketball on the side when I can, go take some runs through uh, through the woods, stuff like that, try to stay active when I can, and uh, really just be with my family as much as possible. Uh, how are you going to explain what you do to your children when uh, they grow up a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. My oldest, Gideon, he's, he's about two and a half right now. Uh, he knows when I go to work. And he knows when, like, when I'm dressed, he knows I'm going to work. He says <laughs> I'm going to work. But when I take him to work, usually it's either to watch basketball or it's when I know the gym's empty and we go, like, we lower the hoops and we play ball here. Um, so anytime he's seen me here, there's been basketball. So he thinks, basically, I'm pretty sure he thinks I just play basketball for work. Uh, he's mentioned that a couple of times, like, Daddy, work, play ball. And, like, in a sense, I like, I am playing ball. Like, I'm just playing sports. I'm just, I'm covering sports. I'm playing around in the sports world, so... I'm letting him go for now, and, you know, if he wants to believe that I played ball at Grace or played ball in the NBA, you know, maybe I'll let him believe that, too. <laughs> so, uh, next time someone's in the Warsaw, Winona area, I don't know why, that sounds weird to me, but next time someone happens to be in that area, uh, what is your restaurant <laughs> recommendation? Well, first of all, it's a beautiful area. And it is, it really is. Winona, like, oh, yeah. Indiana. Oh, yeah. Um, the one place you got to stop is called, it's called the Boathouse Restaurant. And yeah, so our campus is on Winona Lake, Indiana. That's the town. Mm-hmm. So not surprisingly, we have a lake, and it's called Winona Lake. Go figure. And it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful lake. And so the boathouse restaurant literally sits on the edge of the lake. You're right on the edge of it. So it's beautiful. You can kind of sit outside and watch. Uh, there's all sorts of boats and jet skis going by. It's just really pretty, really peaceful, and the food's very good too. I, I recommend the Black and Blue Burger. With the sweet potato fries, that would be my uh, my insider suggestion. The Boathouse Restaurant, got to check it out. Perfect. So if anybody uh, wanted to follow up with you on this, maybe they had questions or anything that stems from this interview, what would be the best way to do it? Yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter at Josh underscore Newhart. Um, or, yeah, you can email me. Obviously, everything's online now, but um, yeah, you can find us at gclancers.com. That's that's our website. So, yeah, be be more than happy to chat with anybody. Perfect. So, Josh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. And uh, thank you all for listening and downloading this episode of SIDcast. This was number 33, a number that I never thought I'd get to. I remember, Josh, when I first started this back in October, I said, I'll do (laughs) one every two weeks with 14 episodes, and we'll see how the following is from there. Now we're at 33, (laughs) and I do it every week. So it's just... I never thought I'd be able to get to 33. And another thing I never thought I'd be able to get to is a five-star rating uh, average on iTunes. Uh, Thank you all for whoever's done that. And if you haven't, I highly encourage it. It just takes one second to give a five or a one. You know, you you can do whatever tickles your fancy or whatever metaphor you want to use for that. Probably a better one, but uh, yeah. So if you have any questions or you want to be a guest or maybe – I actually mentioned this last episode with Aaron. If you want to nominate a guest, I mean, that's something I'm open to. But uh, I am booked through the month of August, which is weird to me. But um, if you do have anybody who you think would be great for this podcast, 
go ahead and just email me at sportsinfocast at gmail.com. And we are still on our pursuit for 500 followers on both Twitter and Facebook uh, at sportsinfocast because SID cast is already taken by a guy whose podcast has been dormant for three years. So we will uh, let that go for now. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.